Welcome to the Teacher Interview Podcast. I'm your host, Wes Creasel. I work as Director of Innovation and Instructional Support in Fullerton School District, and every week we sit down and get to know a teacher better. My goal is to learn what drives and guides teachers, especially when venturing into that risky territory of trying something new. Join me. Today we spend time with Emily McDougall. She works at Beachwood School in Fullerton, California. Welcome, Emily McDougall. Thank you. Did I pronounce that correctly? You did, okay. yes. Okay. <laughs> um, so you're here and you just learned that this is a podcast. Right. You thought it was an interview, but it's Locked really a in. podcast. Yep. And this is not the first time I'm going to say this, but I need to do a better job at communicating <laughs> what you're actually getting into. Um, so let's start, you know, kind of general, we're going to talk about risk taking and mm-hmm. innovation, but mm-hmm. um, let's start more like... How did you get into teaching, just with kind of a general background of like, what was that like for you? Um, Tell us that story. It was at the end of college that I decided, I mean, I had no education classes under my belt at all by the time I graduated college. Where did you go to college? UC Irvine. Me too. Really? What year? Um, I graduated in 2000. Okay. Right? uh, Never mind. I'm not going to tell you. No. no, I was 92. <laughs> okay, okay, right. Yeah. So <laughs> we weren't we weren't there. Today. No, <laughs> just missed each other. But um, yeah, so I went to UC Irvine, and I had done everything under sociology and political science, and I had oh. done an internship in DC, and I thought that was the route I was going to take. An and internship for what um, did you do in DC? I worked for um, the House Subcommittee on Africa, and I did uh, tours of the Capitol building, and I yeah. really enjoyed politics and thought that would be where I would, that's where I saw myself going up until like the very end of my senior year wow. in college. Wow. And. Um, then I had to kind of change course because I felt... The House Committee on Africa? The House Subcommittee on Africa. House Subcommittee. Yeah. Does that mean you knew about things... Were you just doing tours or were you getting exposure to... So I would to... get, get exposure with the, pro- with the process, um, just kind of how um, the whole legislative aid process worked and yeah. attending hearings and going here and there with the different uh, members of that subcommittee. And yeah. so it was really So you would know more things about Africa than somebody who didn't do that. I'm not going to say that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fair. That's yeah, fair. Yeah. Okay, um, so forward back to UCI leaving college, mm-hmm. then how? So I the, it was I needed a part-time job and somebody came to uh, the sorority house and said she was a principal at Harborview Elementary down in Corona Del Mar and she was an alumna and she said, "Hey, you know, I really need somebody to come and do some work in classrooms and and I'm like I needed this part. I needed some money yeah. and I needed the part-time job and my schedule allowed it and so I said, okay, yeah. So she hired me and I was like paid for out of like PTA funds. And, you know, it was this was very... Was it tutoring or what, what uh, kind of work? No, it was like par- it was for like classroom aid work, okay. like pulling kids, working with students, playground duty. Then I'd go in the office and do some things. Yeah. Um, and I just fell in love with the interaction I had with people. Yeah. And the p- type of people I had interaction, with, interaction yeah. with, like with students and with their parents and with office staff and, you know, all of support staff. And so this is the year you're going to graduate. This happened. This was like May. And, and then, <laughs> and then, what was the next step for you? And then it was so after that, I worked through the summer and realized, well, I, now I have to go. Just I just graduated, and now I have to go and 
take more classes to continue um, to get my credential yeah. and take all of those um, education courses. Yeah. So I really had to, it was like starting from, from square one. <laughs> my parents were like, great job, Em. <laughs> So proud. Um, but and where did you do those courses? So I went to Nash. So I worked full time. Okay. So that I had to get a job. So I yeah. worked in human resources as an assistant. Like okay. not, I wasn't a generalist so or anything. If people are listening to this podcast. You, <laughs> one thing you may not know, Emily keeps rolling her eyes. <laughs> like when you said, I worked in human resources. There was another phrase you said where you're just rolling your eyes. Like, can you believe it? Like, right. I can't. I can't believe I did that. But um, so. You're out of college. You're put. You're you're taking a full time load to get your teaching credential. Right. How'd you get an HR? Like uh, my friend who had gone to college and then pursued what her degree was in. She she went to. She had this job in an assisted living uh, management company, yeah, yeah. and she was leaving to get hired on at a really great company down in Irvine, and they needed somebody to fill her spot, and she's like, well, my friend who, you know, she's kind of starting over now, she just graduated from college, yeah. she needs a job, so maybe you could hire her, like, she'll show up on time, like, yeah, there you she'll, go. she'll do her job, um, so I was doing that, and then I was going to going to National at night for the credential classes, yeah. and taking the CBEST, and trying to yes. get just positioned so I could at least be subbing. Right. Right. You know, and have more flexibility. Yeah. So as soon as I could do that, and uh, I applied to Fullerton and Long Beach and LA Unified, and I was subbing all over. Yeah. And so I was only at that position for, you know, maybe eight months before mm -hmm. then I had my my subbing going on. And after that, I was hi that next summer I was hired in LA Unified, teaching at Twenty Fourth Street Elementary School. Okay. They don't know what they were. They they don't know what they did. They were just like, here, have a key to a classroom, and yeah, come and you come know, and help us. come here's twenty kids. Like, yeah. bye. So, wow. and so that's when I started teaching. Was at Twenty um, Fourth Street, and it was like I was twenty two years old. Yeah. Ridic it was ridiculous. Like, I don't know <laughs> L A that well, but the numbered mm -hmm. streets to me are off Harbor Freeway. Uh huh. Like yeah, it's right by USC. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I do know the neighborhood. Okay. okay. Yeah. Great neighborhood. Yeah. The Adams District. It was yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Really beautiful community. Cool. So, um, so tell us um, from LA. You came back to Fullerton. Yes. Okay. Yes. It, the drive was was a lot. Um, yeah. <laughs> a lot, and it was there were a lot of factors going on just with the district at that time was kind of in turmoil. I mean, it was a huge district, and I was in District E. Yeah. You know, right. and 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 there was a lot of principal turnover yeah. at the school, and there they didn't have an, any sort of new teacher induction program, so. Yeah. Um, they wow. were, it was interesting. And the parents eventually took over that school. So it was in, this was when there was class size reduction. So they were hiring a lot and it was 20 to one. And I think when I was there, there was three pr different principals. It was a year round wow. school on a concept six program, which was on, on four off two, on four months off two okay. months. Yeah. So I knew I needed something that would, uh, that would, um, give me a little bit more room for professional growth yep. and support Stability. so I could do a better job, yeah. Yeah. you know, because I, I knew I was like just put in a room teaching kids and I was doing what I could, yeah. but yeah. yeah. So then let's fast forward to now. Yes. When you look at this point back to the time when you came to Fullerton, what, I won't say year, what experience stands out to you as that's the highlight for me of my time here in Fullerton? So a Fullerton. teaching experience in Fullerton where you just, you kind of light up when you think about it. 
I think it took place within a grade level team, and I, I'm thinking of one, one single experience. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but it was definitely the time when we were all applying for Coatsin, and there was a group, my grade level just team. Just define Coatsin if people don't know that. Okay, so Coatsin, the Coatsin Foundation for the Art of Teaching is a program that is at several schools in Fullerton, and what they do is allow teachers to plot a course for their professional growth plan in a content area of their choice, and they're given a stipend and professional development days and opportunities um, and coaching. It, the title is mentor, but it's not mentoring. It's it's more coaching and working alongside a think with a thinking partner for yeah. two years to kind of meet an end goal that you that the teacher sets for him or herself. Yeah. And so when we all decided to apply for this, I just feel like we, my grade level partners and I, were so committed to the workshop model that we'd been trying to kind of piece together and do ourselves like DIY workshop. (laughs) And I just think that that year with those students, we were so invested in trying to make it great that we had such good conversations about kids. And there was this time then when we were actually going through the application process, it gave us an opportunity to talk and study kids and their work in such a deeper way that it fed us as educators and then that helped our students. And I can just, re- it was this really concentrated yeah. amount of time yeah. when we were actually applying, like doing the application and thinking of the model lessons that we were going to use. And and I just, my team members, I have such respect for, it was just like the best little moment in time, I feel That's like. That's cool. Do you want to give them a shout out, people you remember? Michelle Ritz and Joy <laughs> Arnold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it That's was beautiful. Cool. So a really intense time of, so collaboration, conversation, yep. deeper. So when you say deeper, um, like it gave you the opportunity to, to kind of look at your teaching, but you mentioned look at students deeper. Um, what does that mean? What did you do during that period that you maybe? So we were looking at student work and not defining it by a single product, but by looking at where the student was in a process and starting to look a little differently about how we view students and where are they on a progression instead of where are they at with how can we quantify them, you know, and what bucket do we put them in? And it just goes along with the work of Coats and so well. That's why I think we were ready for it. You know, we were kind of starting to do that maybe because just the personal relationships we had and just the kind of human beings, you know, that yeah. I, that I was working with at that time. Yeah. Um, but I just, that, that was it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So I, I have another question to ask you. Um, and we already talked about, we didn't, I didn't get a chance to do the pre-interviews. Oh, right, so right. I didn't come prepared with some quotes. Um, but talk about, so that was kind of a high point, something that mm-hmm. lights you up. Talk about something that is on the other end of the emotional spectrum, like a hard year, a, a tough assignment, a, um, a, um, it doesn't have to be a whole year. It could be a phase or something that it, it was a struggle for a whatever struggle, reason. Right. Yeah. Um, I think within that same grade level team, we were, you know, maybe a couple of years before we were trying to do workshop and just be workshop without really collaborating and communicating maybe just more like 
checking off boxes that, yep, we do this, we do this, we do this, and really not being, um, I think over time we developed a trust with each other to share where we weren't, you know, the areas we could have been growing in. But, you know, you want to protect yourself and shield yourself from any, you know, anyone like doubting you or judging you or thinking you're not good at something. But I think that once we got to that place of trust, we were able to say, wow, this is where I am and this is where I, where I need to go and I know I'm not doing this right and what can I do here and just kind of opening that door. So I think maybe in that moment, I didn't feel it, but looking back, I think, gosh, I was really, tr- I think I was just really checking boxes and going through the motions and wanting to appear as though I was doing something because, you know, you always have to be on, you always yeah. have to be at a four, right? Yeah. It's never okay to, to check the box that says you're developing. You have yeah. to be, right. right, innovating at all times, right? And if yeah. you're not innovating and, you're, you know. Yeah, that's so. really interesting. So talk about more about the role of trust um, because like one of the things I want to learn about is innovation um, and what people think about. So how, let's say, let's ask the how question. How would you work to develop trust? Let's say you're given a, a new place, a new school, new assignment, and you're with people where you're like, hey, we have the opportunity to do this great innovative work. I can see the trust isn't there. You're mm-hmm. in some sort of leadership role or um, maybe just colleagues with people, how would you, what are the your go-tos to try to develop trust between people to lay the foundation to do greater work later? Right. I think that, I mean, the obvious answer is like communication and transparency, <laughs> but what does that look like? I feel that when I was starting to develop trust with some people um, through the Coatsin process, I think that owning my my, um, what's the word, being honest about where I felt I was in the process of being in this new Coatsin role was a, was a breakthrough point with a lot of, with some of my, my fellows. I said, Hey, this is my first year doing this thing and I'm probably not doing it right. And I'm, I'm just telling you this, that I'm just trying my best right now. And be on this journey with me, you know, kind of for his. That's a very vulnerable place to be. And it's risky to tell somebody else. Yeah. I mean, you might think it to yourself. Like I remember the first time I left the classroom and I was all of a sudden I'm coaching other teachers. I was like, it's a support provider full time out of class. And you're just like, everyone else is teaching. And I'm in the break room waiting to meet with a teacher. I'm like, it's called imposter syndrome. Like it has a name. Like you just think I don't belong here. Like yeah. I'm fooling people. That's yeah. yes. You just yeah. defined my the last two years <laughs> of my life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, interesting. So for one tool for you is to take that risk and share something of yourself. I did, yes. Yeah. I and I did that. Um, I kind of brought some of my yoga into it because I love yoga. It's something okay. that a lot of people know about me. I'm obsessed with hot yoga. Okay. And. Um, I was trying, I was... Can you just define hot yoga? Hot yoga is yoga that's done in a heated room. Okay. um, 100 degrees. Bikram is like the ultimate of it. It's like 108 degrees. Okay. Yeah, so... My yoga proficiency is probably somewhere around the sea minus. Right. Yeah, so you're emerging. (laughs) I'm emerging. (laughs) We've got to use the terms, yeah. Emerging, developing, yeah. (laughs) No, um, so... Hot yoga is done in a heated room. It's incredibly like therapeutic and spiritual and physical, and I, I love it. So I go a lot, and I was I do a lot of my thinking during yoga, 
and I was thinking about this process for my fellows and um, kind of how they have to be so vulnerable. And I wanted to show that I can be vulnerable too and I can show you what I'm doing and what I'm practicing because I think teaching is a practice just like yoga is a practice, right? And mm-hmm. I think that why I love my That's yoga and my then the teachers that I take from is because they're like, we're just here along for, along with you on this ride and you don't have a destination in your pose and you're moving towards something constantly. And um, I, I appreciated that. I'm like, wow, that's just like teaching. That's just like what these fellows are doing. Like they are moving along in a direction in their teaching. And so I did something and it was super corny, um, but a few of them like were like, wow, that's so, that, that was it. Like you, you really made an impact. As Are you I, gonna share what? Yeah, that I'm is? gonna share what okay. it was because, but it was super corny. So I'm kind of like, corny. I'm kind of like, like <laughs> covering my face with my hair. But I videotaped myself. I I have like this goal I want, and I wanted to be. I want to be able to do a true like yoga handstand, and so the way I was pra- going about this and my practice was watching a lot of people do it, and we work on it every time I go to yoga, and. Um, and I finally said, well, I think what I need to do is stop trying to look at myself in the mirror and like really set up a video camera and see what wow. I'm doing. So I videotaped myself going through this handstand process. I videotaped the adjustments that the, te- like kind of different stages of where the teachers were like, okay, so you need to set up here and you need to put your hands here yeah. or look at where your hands are being placed and like kind of went through this video and I showed my fellows like in my yoga clothes, like here's where I'm at you in my hands. You teachers. Yes. Your fa- oh, okay. I did. I said, here's where I am. Like I want to be vulnerable with you and kind of share what I'm doing to meet my goals as I'm doing the things you're doing. I'm watching other people. I'm getting reflective feedback. Mm. I'm That's constantly, powerful. yeah, That's trying to corny. watch myself. I, I don't. You don't think that's I think corny? That's I think it's really corny. powerful. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was corny, but some people were like, they responded to that. They're like, thanks for opening up, you know, because I said, oh, yeah, I'm going into your room every week. I'm watching you. Yeah. Whether or not, you know, the Colton is not evaluative, but you can be told something is not evaluative, but the feeling is there and that feeling is real. Yeah. Yeah. Like, even if it's not true, your feeling is real. And yeah. so if people are feeling that judgment or feeling that nervousness, like you have to honor it and say, hey, well, I'll put myself out there and just, you know, show yeah. myself in spandex trying to stand on my hands. <laughs> like that's kind of what I was trying to do right. for these yeah. for these women. Like, hey, like I'm, I'm here and I'm, I'll, I'll be vulnerable and I'll do this yeah. alongside with you. And if you want me to, to do a, the model lesson and, ba- and bomb yeah. it with you, like... Yeah. Hopefully you'll see I'm willing to do that since I'm willing to put on spandex and show you myself <laughs> in a headstand. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, definitely it's it's modeling. Yeah, right. But it's also I mean we can model without taking risks. Right. You know? And there's something it's interesting the fact that you took something outside of teaching that was personal and you brought it in to me um, is is innovative in itself. Right. So talk about. Is that something a standalone? Like, oh, that's kind of unusual for me to do that. Or, or talk about the um, inspiration for that to bring yoga into that that relationship with other teachers. I think that really, that's almost been a a result of the co- the work through Coatsen. Um, is this idea of really looking at teaching as a practice and stop mm. trying to figure out like how to make yourself arrive somewhere. Like, you know, it's not a destination. It's something you're constantly improving, not because you're bad at it. You know, I don't go to yoga 
every week because I'm bad at it. I go because I want to continue yeah. moving in it. Like, yeah. and um, that's really that's an interesting concept because we we are so oriented to um, bad or good or yeah. success or failure. Yes. So you're you're introducing the idea along the lines of what you said about those students about looking at them on a progression. Yes. Yeah. Like for ourselves as educators, are we allowed to see ourselves on a continuum of progress versus a binary, you're, you're good or not good? Right. Hmm. Steep. I do. I think, and I think that's why I'm such a workshop like fangirl, um, is just that it really allows students to to work and to practice their learning. You know, to be in a mode of practice and improvement at all times. Um, and then that's why I think it's great for teachers is because it aligns itself so much with really allowing them to practice their profession and practice their craft and not be all about their performance, you know? Yeah. So that's my workshop yeah. yoga. It all kind of goes together for yeah. me and yeah. Yeah, I love that. So we've talked about a highlight in Fullerton. We've talked about a struggle point, which mm -hmm. is actually interesting because they were same group of people, right? right? Um, and the idea of move, moving on a progression. Um, so bonus, bonus, here's our bonus moment. Anything else you wanna share that you think in the terms of risk taking or innovating, something, a personal experience you've gone through that you think might shed light on um, why it's important, what, what benefit comes from trying new things, Risk-taking or innovating? I wouldn't say it's innovating. Maybe risk-taking personally. So I started an Instagram that was all about, this called This Whole Mama. Okay. And um, because I do, I like to do the Whole30 every once in a while. It's like a, kind of just like a reset with like clean eating and unprocessed foods. And um, I decided to just be very like public about it and not like preach it, but just be like, hey, this is kind of what I'm doing. And... Um, I found a lot of support and not inspiration, but just I got some ideas from other people who were just regular people like me and connected with them through different social media platforms. And it's funny, like as soon as I put myself out there, like this is who I am. I like yoga. I love Jesus and I love uh, my family and teaching. And I'm going to talk to you about what I do and Whole30 and just some things that are going on in my life. and. Um, put myself out there and when I did that like I started people started responding to me like people who I knew mm. and then people who I didn't know in a very like um, just real authentic way so I felt like I feel like I'm helping people but I'm also getting a lot of help because it's a community that I'm learning from mm. so that was kind of some a risk-taking moment because you know who likes to talk about like here's what I'm eating today you know here who likes to, what woman likes to be up there and be like oh here's me practicing my handstand and you know let's all judge what I'm eating right now but you know just to kind of just take a risk and put it out there because I think I've appreciated other people who have done that yeah and so yeah why not it sounds like the response you got was fairly affirming yeah yeah you felt supported people connecting giving you yeah. positive feedback so Let's maybe we're getting close to yeah. our, our end, but um, what advice would you give somebody who is being their best, most authentic, true self, and the world is not affirming them? 
what would you tell that person? And think of like a first year teacher, somebody mm. who's they're just not in that community. They they're new and explore your core values and genuinely ask the people close to you, the people who you feel like you might have a connection with to learn more about them and see how you can see how you can affirm and honor them. I think, I think when you start looking for ways you can serve others and ways you can um, make connections in a way that's not about building yourself up, it naturally happens. I think there's just this synergy that occurs. Yeah. Um, so help me with this. I'm, I'm that teacher. Okay. I'm not feeling affirmed. I'm listening to this podcast. And um, if I'm hearing you right, get interested in learning about others. Let's say I'm not gifted that way. Okay. Give me like three phys- like concrete ideas. Okay. First, you have to know what you're, what, what are you valuing? What do you want to be as an educator? What does that look like? And you need to find those kinds of people who either have the potential to be like that or who you feel like, oh, hey, I think we're kind of along, we have a yeah. similar mindset. And you can do that just with the people on your staff or develop a professional learning network, like Ann Cosma says, you know, to get on Twitter Mm -hmm. and to find those people. And I found a lot of people just by clicking through, who do the people who I like follow, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Or to find books with, um, to find books by those authors or those teachers or those educators or anyone, um, I think, and. So let's go back. So like if you have somebody around you and you think they share value, so then you can start observing them. Yes. Right. And then if not, then you have Twitter and you have right. other books. So you have that um, that kind of um, virtual network, let's say. Yeah. So let's let's stay in the realm the of like your school. So you're observing somebody. Mm-hmm. So I see somebody. Wow. I love the way they did that. Whatever it is. Yeah. So you observe. So okay. give me tell, a couple. Like I, this is what I say. On, I've said this before. If you think someone's cool and I always tell this to my daughter with uh, other girls. I'm like, if you think some other girl is cool, you like her hair, you tell her. Like, don't like be, mm, so wow. if you think someone so is, deep. is it? It seems I don't know. Si- seems simple, it's simple, but it's so deep. No, and I, I be, and it's a no. vulnerable, it's a moment of vulnerability. Yeah, but it can also be a moment of empowering another person and yeah. yourself. Like you're saying like, this is who I am. I like this about you. You're cool. And I think you're cool and here's why. I think that when we hear it and tell people um, that, I think that that's what develops a synergy. I think that, you know, we feel like we have to like be almost too cool for school sometimes with each other as adults and, you know, I don't know. I just see it, but not recognize it and just kind of file it away. So give me one more tip. So we have like, you're observing, you notice somebody has a behavior that aligns with your core value. You have, by the way, I'm enjoying this a lot. Are you okay? super fun. (laughs) So you see the behavior that aligns with the Mm -hmm. core value and then you affirm them. Like Mm -hmm. you say to them, I love the way you wrote that thank you card for, you know, the administrator. That was, that was just, that's the kind of teacher I want to be. So you, you say that. Give me one other thing you think a person who's feeling alone and isolated and being their best selves, but not feeling affirmed by others. What's, what's another tip or strategy or approach. I think that when you're pouring yourself into your students, like they affirm you in such a way that no one, no, 
no one would get it outside of having had a classroom before, mm-hmm. that their work, and if you start looking at the impact you make on them, that's affirming, you know, and you start looking at the student and the learner that they've become and where they've, where you've grown or where you've, like, you've breathed the life into them in this one area, yeah. that's incredibly affirming. But I think that gets lost in the wash a lot of times, like letting yourself feel that pride and letting yourself be energized by that because sometimes yeah. it can feel selfish, you know, yeah. to like, you know, yeah. take this glory from your students, but no, like have it feed you and yeah. fuel you, fuel you, and then you give it back into them even more. I think that, yeah. Do you have a concrete practice that's related to that, like, um, journaling or like how would a teacher because I could look at my students work and I could probably just think like oh I have uh, 108 essays to grade still like I won't see the value that you're describing because there's so much other things related to what I have to do with student work for sure so is there yes and I'm not going to speak to it like for from me but like I actually just observed this happening yesterday the and I snapped a picture of it. I wish I could show you. The you can't show. Me. I can show you. Okay, so the we can't show the viewers, but no, you can show. But me. the one-on-one conferring that happens, and whether it's in workshop, I mean, it doesn't have to be conferring and meeting with students one-on-one. Yeah. Is is it? It's happened before workshop, and it will happen after workshop. Right. Um, but having that moment where you're talking to them about what are you doing as a learner? What are you? What are you working on? wow, I noticed that you did this. I noticed that you're the kind of learner who does this. You must be so proud of yourself. And having that genuine reaction from a student, getting that praise and validation from where they are, no matter if they're somebody who's just emerging as a reader or if they're reading War and Peace, that is incredibly satisfying to watch as an observer. And that was just me watching the the interaction take place. But the smile on this teacher's face as the student's smiling and they high five at the end of their little conversation brought tears to my eyes. And I know those interactions. I've had those interactions. I'm like, that's really where it, that's what it's all about. Yeah. I have to show you because it just was like, oh my gosh. So like this little setup. And I texted it to his mom. I'm like, I'm lucky enough to watch. Yeah. I'm lucky enough to see this beautiful process happening right now. Yeah. Like and this. you can just see in the nonverbal, like their posture, the way they're attending to each other. It's it's beautiful. It's all not, yeah, and yeah. it's so much of it is nonverbal. I just kept getting yeah. So for the clip. people listening, it's a picture of a teacher. Uh, do you use the word conferring? Mm-hmm. So conferencing with oh, the good. student, and I just and, kept snapping just, away because yeah. there just there was just too many moments that I yeah. had to like say, look at what yeah. that, look at her little face, and the students simultaneously happy and you can also see that they're receiving the positive attention Mm -hmm. from the teacher yeah yeah that's great well we are at the end of our time so i'm going to say thank you very much thank you and um uh this was great i really enjoyed it all right thank you this has been the teacher interview podcast thank you for joining us